Welcome, welcome back. This is For Us, the Black Maternal Child Health Podcast, also known as BMCH. I am your host, Naima Mohammed. This is the premier center for all things related to Black maternal child health. I hope you're ready to listen to today's conversation. I'm excited for it. Well, hello, Tatiana. How are you? Hello, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming on for us, the Black Maternal Child Health Podcast. And I am really looking forward to today's conversation. I have been low-key stalking you on Instagram. (laughs) And so, and then also a friend of mine put me in touch with you as well. So that's been also like another connection that I have with you. And so I'm really excited for our conversation today. Thank you. I'm also stoked to talk to you. And this is such a beautiful topic. So I'm really excited. Okay. Well, based on that, I guess we should go into our first question. Can you tell me just a little bit about your journey to plant medicine, a little bit about yourself? So the audience kind of gets a beautiful painting of what I see and discovery I've done on you. So hello, everyone. I'm Tatiana Eves, and I am a medicine woman. And to me, what that means is that I am a healer, and I'm of deep service to the earth and to all of creation. And so my mission, you know, is to care for my community and loved ones with all of the various tools that have been made available to me that I am blessed to have in my tool belt so that Everyone can walk in balance and live life in health and harmony, more aligned with their purpose. And so with that, some of those tools are that I'm an ecologist, I'm a wildcrafter, I'm an herbalist, and I'm a spiritual guide, among many other things. I have a practice. Ecologist Sense is the name of my practice, where in partnership with Mother Earth, We offer holistic teachings, curate plant medicines within our herbal apothecary, and provide private consultations to support people's physical, mental, and spiritual wellness. And so how it kind of came into this world is like incredibly multifaceted. I always like to start at like my beginnings, right? Like Yeah, of course. Yeah. (laughs) And so I, I was a highly sensitive child, right? And so nature was always my refuge. And so whenever I felt like the world was too much or like overloading my system, right, I would I would seek refuge in nature. And so as a kid, I was thoroughly in tune with like those little things, right, like the quieter, more subtler aspects of life. So like the way that the leaves rustled in the wind, you know, I grew up in Florida. So like dragonflies dropping their eggs into the water, right? And then Other subtle things like the words people don't say, like how people are really feeling, like how to lead with that quiet curiosity and love. And so I, from a young age, was just drawn to this work, right? Connecting with nature, immersing myself in the knowledge of plants, learning their stories. And so throughout time, you know, I thought, I'm like, okay, how do I get to be in this position where I can just spend time outside for the rest of my life, right? And so I went to school for ecology. I have a Western science background, so I'm an ecologist by training. And I picked ecology because I wanted to learn more about these systems of life, right? I'm naturally curious. I wanted to learn how to gain all of this information so I can bridge one thing to the next, you know, finding the ways 
that in which everything connects and works together. Mm. And that is why I chose ecology, right? Because ecology is the study of ecosystems and how the individual parts, the plants, the animals, the land, how they all work together. And so I like to call myself a lifetime learner because I, I didn't quite stop there, right? Because the Western science lens I found really limiting and rigid. And I wanted to talk more about my love for nature, right? To personify and romanticize squirrels, right? And such like like the old explorers used to do back in the day without being like reprimanded for being too subjective, right? Like art and science was mixed so beautifully back in its its beginnings. And so I kind of took what was useful from this Western point of view and left the rest. And since then, I've bridged that with other ways of knowing, such as traditional ecological knowledge from traditional Yoruban, Kamishan, Andean, and Potawatomi teachings and wisdom. In further pursuit of finding this like larger picture of this web of life, I trained to become a vitalist herbalist. So I look at our being, right, as a complete system and have a holistic practice to really pinpoint the root cause behind symptoms and not, I'm not an herbalist that will give you kind of like one thing for one symptom, right? Like we work together over time to find those deeply rooted causes. And vitalist herbalism is about how different herbs have affinities for different organ systems. So we're going to, we go deep in the organ systems. And I'm also a wild crafter. I respectfully harvest and forage wild plants. And lastly, I serve as a spiritual guide. So I'm an interfaith minister and have trained to help people hear their intuitive voice within more clearly and align with their path and purpose. And all of this, you know, to help remember our inherent connection to all of life and ourselves, right? Hmm. And so... All of that to say, I've worked with the plants and Mother Earth on my own for like many years, but was recently in the last couple of years called to share and do my part to serve the collective and remind us of the wisdom of the forest to help us all to heal. And so as a medicine woman with this like diverse background, it's really helps me work with people from like that body, mind, spirit connection lens and like tackle this like holistic, complex human and our messy experiences in this life. <laughs> that is like wildly like just beautiful, but also just never thought about those interconnection points of nature, spirituality, our bodies, and how it all kind of comes together. I think I've come into that knowing a little bit, a little bit more since having a child. Mm-hmm. But I think prior to, <laughs> I just, I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware at all. I think that's so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like hard to see, right? Like at first, at first glance, it's like, oh, how do you bridge all these things together? But like, that's like, I think that's part of my journey, right? Is like finding these points of connection and like reminding people like, hey, everything is connected. It's not just something that we say, you know? No, you're right. It is very much interconnected. And I think that word also plays into like us as a community, like that interplay of like we are interconnected. We are not that far apart from each other. We like to put things in place to keep us apart, but we're really not that far apart. And if we find those moments of interconnectability, 
will see that we actually have much more in common and that we can, you know, identify ourselves or with each other a lot better than, than apart. I know in a lot of practices, especially like holistic practices, the woman is like the center theme or the metaphoric theme of life, right? How does your practice complement the the woman self or even the the image of a woman? Yeah, so that is that is the foundation, right? Like the, when we think about how the feminine is perceived in this culture versus the masculine, it's it's very very it's surprising, but it's not surprising, right? Because hmm. it's like the feminine aspect is is our creativity, is our manifestation, is our our intuition, right? It's like that like fertile ground of creation. It's creation energy. It's creative energy. Mm-hmm. And so that is what that is what the earth represents. And so when we think about the way that we as like just like as individual humans in culture, like our culture is very it can be very rigid. And it can also encourage us to bypass our internal knowing, right? We're very brain-centered as a culture. And so in my practice, I really, really work to bring people back into that intuitive voice because that's where everything begins. That's where we can find what's aligned with us and what's not aligned with us, what feels good, what doesn't feel good how we can tune back into our body's wisdom, our soul's wisdom, when we can actually take that step back to like listen and tune back into that language. Because oftentimes, and I love to just like, when people are like, well, how do I know what's intuition versus like, what's like a fear response or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's like your intuition is simple and it's fresh in every moment and has like, it's has nothing to do with your past experiences or the future. And Mm -hmm. That's what I like to that's what I like to hold on to. And so I do a lot of work around that heart centered listening so that we can get back into like, OK, I know what's happening with my body. And I know that just because this person is an authority doesn't mean that they are an authority over my experience. That's really interesting. You say it that way, because I I do agree with you. There is this counter <laughs> culture within our society that doesn't allow women to kind of hold space for that intuition. And a lot of times women who knowing that something is right or something is wrong are always told otherwise, even just like over our bodies, right? There's a lot of research around Like when women, especially black women, are expressing moments of vulnerability or even like pain in in tandem with medical institutions, they're not heard. They're not seen. Mm -hmm. Their complaints are not taken into. And it's like, you know, that intuition is telling you something is not right or something is wrong. But to just be believed is so difficult. Like, even if I'm in tune with my intuition and I'm able to say it, how do I get others to believe that 
to be true. Yeah, I I think it goes back to remembering that we have power as individuals and that we need to trust ourselves about what's going on with our bodies and what's true of our experience. And that to remember that like we have medicines available to us, right? And that plants mm. plants are medicine and it goes into like there's a lot of common, you know, misconceptions about plant medicines, what it is, what they are, what they aren't. But I, I think that it's important because when we become in tune with our body's needs and can help ourselves remain in wellness, then we're not just like band-aiding symptoms for the rest of our lives. Right. And we, if we learn the knowledge and the wisdom of the plants around us, that can help us stay in balance. You mentioned some common myths about plant medicine. Do you have like a top three <laughs> or a few that you would like to just kind of demystify? Yeah, yeah. It's it's so funny because in doing this work, I get them all the time, you know, uh -huh. and it's it's yeah. And it's really, really interesting. So the the main thing I would say that people come in with is that like, oh, plants, plants can't like plants don't provide strong enough medicine to heal A, B, C, D, right? Or or how can I do this with just plants, you know, like belittling the impact of plant medicine, just saying like there's no way that this could actually work. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we forget all the time that all of our prescription medicine is derived from, if not actual plant material, then like mechanisms of plants and how they interact. Right. Very and so. One of my favorite examples of this is white willow bark, right? Because white willow bark is what aspirin was derived from. So there, oh, there's a, yeah, there's, there's a specific con constituent in white willow bark that, you know, alleviates headaches, right? And so what people did is they're like, ooh, okay, let's extract the single constituent. Let's extract this and let's concentrate it really really hard and like now it's into aspirin and so what happened when people did that right aspirin we know the side effects of taking too much aspirin over a long period of time right it's like blood thinning stomach ulcers those like you know negative effects but what what we this is where the wisdom of nature comes in is that white willow bark itself has so many different constituents and compounds in it right and so taking that one thing out that we thought okay this is going to help us with our headaches actually white willow bark has other constituents within it that prevent against the blood thinning the stomach ulcers and everything else that are called like that are side effects of that single concentrated bit not really so when you take white willow bark instead, it's so much, it's, it's cleaner. It's cleaner of a pain relief. So this is, so white willow bark is a full, full body pain relief. It, it like relaxes your system and how it works, right? Since aspirin is really concentrated, aspirin works really, really fast, but then it wears off really fast. Like we know this, right? Mm -hmm. But white willow bark, because it's it's the plant, right? And our plants, that's one thing where people are just like, oh, plants don't work. It's because plants take a longer time to work, you know, and not even necessarily. Some are really, really fast acting and some work with your body and your body's chemistry to keep it in balance or to bring it up into a state of balance. 
And so white willow bark is one of those medicines that works a bit slower. So like when aspirin, like aspirin might take like maybe 10, 15 minutes to kick in. White willow bark might take 20, 25 minutes. But once you drink that white willow bark tea, your headache will be gone all day. Whereas aspirin might wear off after maybe an hour or something. Then it comes back. Yeah. And then it comes back. Yeah. So it's like human hubris, right? We're like here trying to extract the single constituent because we think that it's perfect, right? And like, but we we really need to remember to go back to go back to the root, go back to the source. And that's what plants are. And we live in a society, right, that does a really great job of telling us that we can't heal ourselves. And like I was saying earlier, that we have to seek external authorities to tell us what's wrong with us, right? And we need to remember that this is just a story. And it's a story that keeps us paying for prescription drugs that may or may not even help us and might lead to side effects or best case scenario, right? We're paying the pharmaceutical companies for the rest of our lives to take this medication. And I don't want to get, you know, people carried away here because I think Western medicine definitely has its place, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. really, really important. (laughs) And like as an herbalist, as an herbalist practitioner, the first thing I tell people that are curious about herbal medicine is to not just stop taking all of their prescription medicine, right? Or swear off doctors completely. But I think that it's important to remember that like they're really good for acute industry injuries right so like if you've broken your arm or you have some like very acute injury like please go to the doctor like immediately right but like we we need to remember that like we we can like take this control back that we don't need to seek external authorities to validate our experiences because i think that that's very very dangerous especially for the black community like we were saying earlier because doctors can be wrong and belittle our experiences and not to mention, you know, like big pharma is really not in the business of healing anyone. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we remember the wisdom, the medicine of the plants, we can become sovereign over our wellness. And I also want to mention that this is ancestral knowledge, right? This is our birthright to know how mm-hmm. to be in right relationship with the land and to heal ourselves. And that this knowledge is the only reason that our ancestors survived so that we're here today. Right. And like this knowledge was stolen from us in so many ways, but there are so many powerful lineage and wisdom holders that keep this torch alive. And so to belittle this knowledge is just terribly unwise. And I frankly don't think it'll allow us to survive very much longer if we continue to do so. Mm. I think that's such a valid point of like, this is our birthright and that this is ancestral. And it, and it makes me think about when it kind of goes back to the, the feminine energy and just women. How does one as a woman tap into that? Tap into the plant medicine? Tap into plant medicine or just that in- ancestral knowing of intuition and learning more about her body. Yes. So um, I I think it kind of starts with like, <laughs> one thing I really like to start with is cycle tracking and being just like in your body, in like present in your body and re- remembering that like we are so connected to these systems, to these like to, to life, to the ecosystems, mm-hmm. right? 
And that even if we feel further from the earth, right, if we feel like we're in a city, we're we're further away from um, nature, does not mean that we are ever separate from nature. And so because I'm a holistic practitioner and I not only look at the body as a whole ecosystem of interlacing parts within itself, but also that we are like so deeply embedded in this like web of mutuality with life, right? Everything we do impacts everything else. And unfortunately, and unfortunately our rhythms and cycles are not original or unique, right? Like mm-hmm. our experience of them are personal, but not unique. And so I actually, and I don't know if this is early, but I want to really, I'm really excited about talking about just like four phases of a woman's life and like basing that on the feminine archetypes and how they correspond to all of our cycles. And so I like to start here because it really just brings us back into this remembrance of like our power, right? And I think that the way the feminine has been demonized, you know, or like belittled in our culture is because it's so like we're so incredibly powerful beings because like we are connected and rooted much more deeply in in life and like these ecosystems. They like flow within us internally and throughout our lives. And I think the best way of tapping back into our power, our intuitive knowledge is to start within, right? Mm, starting right starting in our bodies and honoring our cycles as sacred cycles and not like, oh no, I'm going through this symptom. Or, oh no, like this like is like menstrual like pain mm-hmm. or like, you know, like, oh no, my period's back or like, oh no, like, you know, menopause you know like all all of the things like these are such beautiful sacred rites of of passage and they used to be so much more deeply honored and revered than they are today in culture and so i wanted to focus today on those cycles and the interconnected nature of all of these cycles for us to really just come back into that remembrance of how powerful we are so one of the archetypes that you have laid out is kind of starting out with your youth so the maiden can you tell me more about that particular archetype yes 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 super excited okay so the maiden she would be kind of like that she she represents you know youth independence strength confidence right and so she's she's us when we're we're a child when we're free and untethered. And she also represents as a, as part of our menstrual cycle, right? Our mini cycles. So I, I like to think about like our big cycles of like life, like cycles that we go through in life. So like youth, right, is a period of our lives. And then our mini cycles that we go through each month. And so she also corresponds to the follicular phase, which is the phase that's right after we bleed, right after the actual okay. period of m- menstruation. And so this archetype, she is also associated with the waxing moon. So all of these are very much aligned. And like in the little handout, you can see this in a visual way, but it's she's associated with the waxing moon and represented by the season of spring, 
the element air and the direction of the east. And this is really just, I love to come with all of these and just kind of like bring it into an intuitive place. Like this is a way of like bringing your intuition and like see how all of this matches up, you know, useful, Mm -hmm. you know, like airy, independent strength, like flowing in the wind, like spring, right? Like the blossoming, right? And in this cycle, there are herbs that correspond with not only this like useful stage of life, but also the follicular phase of our menstrual cycle. They're the same. The same herbs will complement both parts of both parts of those cycles. Mm-hmm. And so the herbs that I have listed are raspberry leaf, for example. Raspberry leaf is a beautiful plant ally for increasing metabolism right? And like aiding in reducing mood shifts, changes, and irritability, kind of balancing us out in that way. There's chastberry, and chastberry is also really good for balance, specifically in the hormonal range, as we're like, you know, as new hormones are flooding into the system that like the body hasn't experienced before, you know, in youth, Mm. or in that follicular phase right after menstruation kind of like balancing our hormones back out and then there's also evening primrose as well which is really good for reducing like kind of like those physical symptoms that are that can be associated with hormonal shifts like pms symptoms like breast sensitivity irritability things like that okay And then as far, and I also, I love like, like food is medicine, right? So like these herbs particularly are best in teas, Mm -hmm. but I also truly think that food is medicine and we need to be able to have both. And I love to, yeah, just talk about adding things to our diets rather than taking things out because as people, you know, we respond so much better to adding rather than subtracting. (laughs) Yes. And so for this like maiden time in our lives, foods like like cherries, like flax, like walnuts, spinach, quinoa, those are really good because they'll help us build strength, right? These healthy fats. We yeah. have like anti- antioxidant rich fruits and protein will be really good for just like building that system back up, whether it's because you're a child and you need lots of things to like keep your system strong. Or it's like right after your period where you've just lost a lot of those minerals. But I think I want to I wanna do more like broad strokes on like the four archetypes and what they kind of represent. And so I have, you know, kind of put this chart together because it was something that I felt like I wanted to be able to see. I'm a really visual person. Yes. And so I made this chart showing like the four phases of a woman's life, you know, and like based them on the four feminine archety- archetypes and then how they com- correspond to our monthly menstruation cycles, the moon, the elements, the four directions, and the seasons and Mm. then herbal allies that work for all of these things in the same way so like our rhythms and cycles are like intertwined with these other elements and so the plants work in that way and so i found this to be really helpful to use because it's so helpful yeah i can't wait to post it this is really really helpful because to be honest with you i've never seen it drawn or articulated this way 
of like you have the maiden, then you have the mother. Because I'm I'm reading it that way. Is that the right flow, or is it should it go clockwise? Yeah. So I started it because like the north is kind of the beginning. Okay. And but like the north is the wise woman. So the wise woman would be that like. I start there because that's like the beginning, right? It's yeah. like the birth. Even though this is like your oldest period of life, right? Mm-hmm. It's still mm-hmm. just like that most like fertile like creation space. Yeah. And so, yeah, I started I started with the wise woman. And the wise woman is also known as the crone. She's, mm-hmm. yeah, so she's associated with like the new moon and when we're actually like in menstruation. And so what she symbolizes is that introspection, that renewal and like wisdom gained through the, those cycles of life, death and rebirth. So she's us when we're we're older and we're wiser. So it's during and post like our menopausal period as women. And so the element that she represents is winter, right? Like this, this calm period where we're like just kind of like really in internal in ourselves yeah she's the element of earth and she's the direction of the north that makes so much sense to me because i know in the winter i am much more introspective and just like wanting to stay grounded staying still wanting to just like be closer to myself yeah but no that makes perfect sense yeah and then from there you have the wild woman yes and so the wild woman she is next she kind of so she emerges in like the waning moon right when the moon is kind of yeah yeah the waning moon and she's she's the luteal phase what does the waning moon mean i don't know if i've i've understood that that piece between because i think i know understand like a new moon and a full moon but the waxing moon and a waning moon i don't know if i if i know the difference and so so waxing, it would be after the new moon where the moon is starting to appear again in the sky and then moves okay. into the full moon. Okay, okay. And then the waxing moon is when the moon starts to begin to disappear. Okay. Yeah. And so, so the wild woman archetype, she yeah. is... She kind of like she focuses on herself. Right. So this is this is the phase after the mother Mm -hmm. where she is like an empty nester. Right. Or when her children are older and no longer rely on her as much. Mm -hmm. And so she encourages like embracing all of our emotions, exploring the shadows, finding the healing through reflection and acceptance. Right. It's like when when we rediscover ourselves and enjoy like more selfish pursuits in the direction of our highest good and growth and so yeah so she's represented by by the autumn by the fall right when we're planting the seeds of spring she's the element of water very flowing and the direction of the west okay i feel like that's that that speaks to me (laughs) and where i am currently i feel like i'm on a cusp of like the the wise woman and wild woman but i think that's really interesting and then so the mother phase is the one that we haven't talked about can you explain a little bit more of the mother archetype yes 
And oh, I also want to say that we can embody all of these archetypes at different periods. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it's it's not like you're in one and like you're stationary in that one. Right. Like we can move in and out. And so so the mother archetype, she embodies that creativity, nurturing and attention. And she's tied to the full moon and our ovulatory phase. Right. Like when we're when we're ovulating, she's mm-hmm. that like birthing ground right like that's where that's where creativity comes out that's like everything so she's when when we're pregnant postpartum or have young children and so she's represented by the summer right like where everything's kind of out there she's the element fire and the direction of the south Mm. this is i feel like we should all have this what like the perfect cheat sheet it is beautiful i love it yeah. how did you... i was so excited that we had this conversation i'm like i'm gonna make this no it makes so much sense i guess how did when you are interacting with community about these things mm-hmm. what's the usual response that you get from teaching about these archetypes the teaching of plant medicine, the teaching of intuition and intuitive, you know, guidance. I feel like often it's like, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Like, oh, I can see that. And also just like, oftentimes just like a sigh of relief, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, people feel so alone in what they're going through because we have this culture that's so hyper individualistic right and it's like yeah you versus the world and like it's it's only like you're like you're by yourself off there and like not connected to anyone or anything that's going on and you know trying to like fight with our neighbors over resources you know and so I feel like when we when we come in and we're like no but like look at everything else that's around people are like oh my goodness that makes so much sense like I get that and like it just like elevates confidence right because it's like okay like I know what this is about like I I can see how this is connected and so now I feel more confident and like going about like working in this way right like I I might even see clients for maybe like two two times right and then they're just like I feel good like I'm ready you know and I'm like okay come back whenever you need you know so yeah that's beautiful. I think that that makes a lot of sense that people in some ways almost feel validated mm-hmm. on just maybe even their intuitive knowledge about life, about our world, about nature. And then, you know, interacting with you and, and your teaching, it's like, oh, no, she's validating what I've already felt or what I knew to be true. So I think that is. I think that's that's great. How can I guess more people, especially Black women, because that 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 is that is who I try to gear towards. How can Black women, I guess, learn more about how best to incorporate plant medicine into their life and be able to use it at different stages of life? Yeah, I would definitely, I put some in this, in this chart, I put the really, really great ones that are really specific. So I would say incorporating plant medicine more generally, and then I can talk about the medicine for each of these phases too. Mm -hmm. I would say to start small. So like I said, I think food, food is truly medicine. 
And we have to be mindful about what we put in our bodies, especially as we're going through these cycles, because they contribute to PMS symptoms. They contribute like our hormones regulate a lot in our bodies. And so when our hormones are out of balance, when we eat things that bring our hormones into a state of imbalance, then we experience discomfort in whether that's emotionally, whether that's like bloating, it's physical, right? Or like mm -hmm. different like PMS, like pain symptoms or just like anything like that feels imbalanced in the body. Oftentimes it has a hormonal link. And so I'm, I'm very much for, you know, adding things to our diet rather than taking away. And I also want to say that teas are such powerful medicine that gets taken for granted because all of the herbs that I'm talking about, that we're talking about today, can be made into teas. And so you would just buy each of the herbs individually and then just let them seep or boil in, in like a tea bath? Yep, exactly. Oh, that's it. Okay. <laughs> exactly easy i guess it, like conceptually i'm like i think there's another step you're like nope it's just that simple yeah it's super super simple and there's there's a difference there's there are teas and then there are decoctions right and so decoctions is just like a fancy word for just like longer steep tea and okay. so so teas are usually you know like you you boil the water you have like a little little diffuser thing you put the herbs in that and then you pour the boiling water over the herbs and like that's your that's your tea right if you're gonna make tea i also i would like to say that you need to steep it longer everyone everyone steep your tea longer like, how, it, how long is long long i need to get the medicine and not just have like flavored water it needs to be at least 10 minutes oh okay okay that's not too bad yeah no it's not too bad but i feel like people are like three minutes i'm done <laughs> People worry about like I, my partner thinks about this too. It's like, well, then your water is is cold. It's no longer as hot, and it's like, but you can reheat it. Cover it with a plate. Honestly, yeah. it's better because like for the for the more fragrant plants, so the ones where if you rub it, it like smells super fragrant, like mm -hmm. like a rosemary or the lavender. Right, those volatile oils that like hold that you know bring about that strong scent. They get evaporated, and they're super nutritious too. So like. Cover, cover your tea to keep them in. So more reasons to cover your tea. So cover your tea and let your tea seep for 10 minutes. Yep. Okay. And also for, so for decoctions, what the difference is between that is that you would, for a decoction, you would fill a pot with mm -hmm. water, cool water, and then you would put your herbs in that pot and you would let it boil for 20 minutes. Okay. And that just extracts even more of the medicine. So what you would want to do that for is if you were working with like like more denser herbs. So like with like chastberry, that's one that would benefit from a decoction just because it's like it's a berry or like something that would be a root would be really helpful in a decoction too, just to make sure that you're pulling out all of the nutrients that you can. But things that are light, like with like leaves, right? So like a red clover would be or a nettle right like those would be fine and just a tea i mean you could always decoct them if you'd want so starting off small and then just like adding like i guess as a woman enters into different phases of her life by listening to her body she i guess you're saying just try adding different 
herbs or different foods yeah foods okay and we can go into the the foods and the herbs for each of the cycles sure yeah let's do that yeah because i think and i also i also want to say we're going through a lot of material here too and so just kind of like trust that what what sticks is for you right and that's one thing to incorporate but it's not like we gotta add all these things overnight it's just this is a really great intuitive test right just like pull in what what feels like it resonates and um, if they have questions i will put your contact information <laughs> yes i will course. put your contact information into the show notes so that way you know if people have questions or they just want to learn more they can always reach out to you and you know i know you have classes that you offer Mm-hmm. around these topics so that that is also another avenue for people to wanting to just expand their knowledge base yes of course so if if we were to do say start with new moon in terms of food and herbs where should one start yes so for herbs i would start with red clover is a perfect like just like magical herb for just balance in general and hormones. So red clover helps to balance specifically menopausal symptoms, right? So helps with hair growth. And for pre, you know, pre-menopause, it helps keep your period regular. So, you know, you regular dates, you know. Raspberry, I mentioned earlier for that maiden period as well, but that one's going to be really good for balancing hormones and keeping us grounded. Nettle is such a beautiful plant ally, too, because they are just like a super blood cleanser as a plant. Um, It's a really great source of bioavailable iron. So it's really good when you are, you know, releasing lots of lots of iron. I know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know that because I've been on iron pills half my life. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I got it. Okay. I have to reach out. Incorporate nettle. Okay. We'll do. And yeah, so yeah, it's also like super high in magnesium and calcium and drinking nettle. And this is a little bit, you know, nettle is also, I think nettle's in a couple of these. I put nettle also for wild woman. Wild woman phase as well. Because, and also, also for the mother Mother. phase. Yeah. (laughs) Nettle is just beautiful all the time. But specifically, nettle-infused tea is really great after giving birth because it's it's recommended to help increase, like, the richness and the amount of breast milk as well. Mm, okay. Did not and, know. And then you have maca flags. Yeah. So maca is one, is a root that helps the body manage stress and increase our energy. So this is going to be really important when we're in the wise woman stage and it, when we're in our smaller cycles of our bleeding time because like stress builds up in the body right and our energy is usually low on both of those periods so it brings our energy up and then flax is really good because it aids in digestion lowers our cholesterol and balances our estrogen levels it has a, like a plant estrogen that keeps us hmm. i did not know that yeah. And so what would be, I guess, the good associated foods with this archetype? 
Yeah. So you really want during this time, like nutrient dense foods. So like anti-inflammatory and antioxidant rich foods. And you don't want super hard to digest things like proteins and like, like super hard to digest proteins like nuts, for example. And so ginger is really good because that's good for digestion too. We've got beets are really good. Chocolate. Everyone's going to love me for that one. Sweet potato, turmeric, avocado, like those okay. are going to be really, really good for those that for that phase. Okay. And so for wild woman, I see you have herbs like burdock root, which I recently discovered through a friend mm-hmm. or, you know, just clearing out inflammation and mucus because I had a cold yes. recently and he made me like a, a burdock root tonic. And it was it was so spicy, but Mm -hmm. it was also really good. Like I felt better. Mm -hmm. Burdock is one of my favorites. So instead of instead of taking a probiotic every day, I take I take burdock and a collection of other herbs because burdock is a really strong prebiotic and has lots of fiber. So super good for like flushing things out of your system, just like you were saying. Mm -hmm. Okay, I did not know that. And then you have cinnamon hibiscus nettle yes how do those herbs i guess help aid the wild woman yeah so since this wild woman phase is like you know when we're no longer kind of like high caretakers right and it's that stage when we're kind of preparing for our period to come so burdock is really good because we want we want to be like cleansed, right? Because this is how we prevent a lot of those hard to mitigate like PMS symptoms, right? Those hard to deal with. So burdock is going to be really good for like cleansing the system, you know, lots of fiber, pushing yeah. things out that we no longer need. Cinnamon is really good because it's antioxidant, anti-inflammatory and lowers blood sugar, which is helpful hibiscus is a super immune support herb so that's going to really help us to prep and i also have nettle again because blood cleanser like we need like nettle is like a master detoxifier Hmm. okay this is so helpful because i just not to say completely oblivious but just didn't know Exactly. And this is knowledge that we should all know. These are all very accessible things, right? And so Mm -hmm. instead of going to the doctor and saying, like, I have these horrible PMS symptoms, like, give me some random pill, right? (laughs) Or a birth control. Yeah. Yeah. Or or like hormonal birth control, if that's not something that you want to do, right? Mm -hmm. Like, these are a very, very great way of staying in balance. And so for the mother phase... In terms of creating that balance, I see you have a lot of herbs that I know from the maiden phase of like the raspberry leaf. What are some good foods for the wild woman? Yes. So it would be things to keep blood sugar stable, like I was saying, and mitigate PMS symptoms, reduce water retention with like you know, lots of zinc, magnesium, vitamin C. So I've got kale, sweet potato, turmeric again, because turmeric is a master at like keeping, that's like anti-inflammatory. Beans are really good here. Seaweed, squash, celery root, 
yeah, those are going to be really, really helpful for detoxifying and being super, super nourishing before we go into our bleeding time. Okay. And so for the mother archetype, you have some herbs listed that help support that archetype in that phase within our cycle. Can you speak more about the herbs and then also the foods? Yes, for sure. And so this one kind of encompasses a lot. So I might go a little deeper into like more items specifically for like pregnancy and postpartum. Mm -hmm. Because like the mother, you know, it's it's when we're ovulating, but it's also when we're pregnant in postpartum or have young children. Mm -hmm. And so herbs to support that would be raspberry leaf again. And as you can see, like some of these herbs overlap and like I chose ones that are one, mostly pretty well available and two that are just like top, like top of the line for these symptoms so that we can have something that's simple and we don't have to like buy a whole bunch of things, you know? No, that makes perfect Um, sense. And also, you know, because everyone's an individual, right? Like there are some herbs that will work better for some people than others. And so to give you a couple of options, yeah, it was just, I thought would be helpful. Now, is it recommended to combine some of these together or should you have them separate? So I would say the ones that I recommended, I, as an herbal practitioner, I go into like deep deep herbs so like I would have ones that might not work so well for other people or that would be like contraindicated which means that they could like have negative side effects with certain medications or certain just like certain individuals basically and or with in combination so all of the herbs that I've recommended today are fine in combination and they don't have any strong like contraindications or negative side effects with like any medication or stage in your life. Although I will say that chastite in particular is not recommended for pregnant women or postpartum just because it has a really strong effect on the hormones um, in a way that you don't want your hormones to be regulated while you're pregnant, right? Like you want you want your hormones to follow their natural cycle while you're pregnant so that you can maintain the health of you and the baby simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So I, that's the only herb that I wouldn't recommend during the mother stage yeah okay and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more specifically about the best herbs for those but first okay mother stage raspberry leaf again mm-hmm. wonderful wonderful at balancing and increasing metabolism right, right. balancing our moods um and then licorice root really really good one here because licorice root and I always want to tell people because like some people don't like licorice. I'm one of, I'm a person who doesn't like the licorice flavor, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't like licorice candies or whatever, but Same. like licorice root is different. It's different. Really? Like pure yeah. licorice is actually good. Like it's just like, it. it's honestly like a natural sweetener in teas. I did not know that. Yeah. It actually doesn't taste bad. You guys, I promise. <laughs> so what licorice root does is aids in digestion is antioxidant and anti-inflammatory as well. And then another one that I'll recommend is dandelion. So dandelion serves as a hormonal regulator, but through detoxification. So dandelion, it will be really good for just like moving things through our bodies that we don't need through that period of time. So this will be through like our sweat or through like our bowels. 
Okay. And then nettle, again, amazing blood purifier. Evening primrose, again. And chamomile in particular, because chamomile is calming and aids in digestion. I'll go through a couple of the foods, but then I want to deep dive into pregnancy and postpartum herbs a little bit. Sure. What are good foods for the mother phase? Yes. So foods would be ginger, pomegranate, watercress, coconut oil, chia seeds, chard. Right. And like these are I picked these because like liver detoxification is really important here during this phase. So like green veggies and like a large amount of like vitamins and minerals and healthy oils are really important during this phase. Okay. Why is liver detox so important in this phase? Because when our livers get built up, that's when we have hormonal and that's where hormonal imbalances can start. And it can lead to a host of other issues, too, with like gastrointestinal issues. And it just kind of like cascades from there. So our liver, you know, it gets it gets backed up. We eat lots of things. Right. And in this stage, it's like particularly important because when we're we're ovulating, this is just a really good stage to keep that clear just for like our overall health for the rest of the month. Okay. So I think this is a great segue into how do we best use herbs and food during pregnancy and also postpartum. Yes. So I have a couple, I think maybe five, five herbs that I really love to recommend during pregnancy and postpartum. And these are both, right? If something's safe for you while you're pregnant, it's safe for you while you're breastfeeding, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're the same. And so one, one that I like to recommend is alfalfa. Alfalfa is really good in easing morning sickness and increasing milk production and also works to help decrease the chance of postpartum bleeding as well. Another one, you know, is like our our hero that I've mentioned a bunch of times, nettles. Nettle. You already know. Yes. Yeah. So I already mentioned, you know, like really good to drink nettle after giving birth to help increase the richness and the amount of breast milk. Also good for like easing like leg cramps and spasms because like the magnesium content, you know, that's why, you know, some people are like, oh, eat a banana if you're, you know, leg falls asleep or something like that. Or you could drink nettles. So now, could you like do a warm bath with nettle? You definitely could. So nettle is also super good on the skin. So nettle and calendula. I'm actually, I have like an infusion right now that'll be in my apothecary in the next couple of weeks. A nettle and calendula oil extract because of its anti-inflammatory properties Mm -hmm. is really, really good for like things that happen on the skin. So like, especially if it's due to an immune response. So if you have like eczema or psoriasis, Nettle is really good to soothe that topically. So like nettle would be really good for the skin and can help with that detox as well. And it's actually quite funny because nettle, this is stinging nettle. And so if you were to touch nettle as it grows in the wild, it's like, you know, a wild plant. It would actually sting you and cause skin irritation. But if you were to break off the stem of nettle, it has this like milky sap. So you could literally, after getting stung by the nettle, get put the milky sap on your arm and then the sting would go away. Look at that. <laughs> Isn't it, that fun? 
That that is beautiful. It's like almost like a full cycle of like it can hurt you, but it can soothe you as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. So, and then you have a third and fourth. Yes. Third. Yes. I have a couple more. Red raspberry, who I've already mentioned, I think for for both cycles, the maiden and mm-hmm. the mother. But red raspberry is also very mineral rich and is a beautiful tonic. So she is, you know, it's recommended that you use red raspberry throughout the pregnancy to support a healthy pregnancy and like help tone your uterus, right, to get it ready for birth. And it's because of the alkaloids in red raspberry. So it's helpful in like in that like toning of the uterus to like help prevent like miscarriages and hemorrhages and also can help alleviate morning sickness, nausea and like any stomach upset that could occur during pregnancy. And then I have two more lemon balm. Lemon balm is really, really great. Not only because it's super good at like calming and like it's anti-anxiety in that way, but can help ease insomnia that might occur if you're like uncomfortable throughout your pregnancy, calms your nervous system, relieves stress in your body and also helps boost your mood. So it's like a like a natural mood lifter in that way. And also is naturally antiviral and antimicrobial, which is super helpful because like while you're while you're pregnant, right, your immune system is the, at the weakest point. So because it's like focused on all the stuff happening internally, you know, growing mm-hmm. the placenta. So using lemon balm tea to alleviate and prevent infections is really helpful. And it's probably very useful in postpartum when now you are at another vulnerable stage of your mm-hmm. body, trying to help your uterus shrink and heal. Mm-hmm. Lemon balm sounds like it would be also an ideal supporter of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Both of all of these, all of these are really great postpartum. Lemon balm, I love in particular because of that like nervous system relaxant and like boosting the mood because, you know, postpartum can be really hard. Especially so my last one is ashwagandha, right? Because like that's going to work really well with the other ones that I mentioned above and particularly lemon balm. And it's my favorite herb for postpartum women because it helps support that like normal energy levels and works really well for regulating that like postpartum anxiety and depression that can occur. You know, I have been using ashwagandha for some time myself. I put little drops in my water every morning Mm -hmm. and it really helps. I had a a guest on here from Bear Stories in Color and she mentioned on the show postpartum is forever. You know, your life changes completely. So using some of these herbs, especially like ashwagandha and even lemon balm in your daily practice as you deal with postpartum and young children, I I think makes so much sense. Yeah. And it's just important, right, to be very gentle with yourself during that time. Like you've just gone through a lot, right? And so like you you deserve this like rest and rejuvenation and like the like this help, right? Like it's not like I feel like oftentimes people feel like they just got to like power through it, right? Because you have a new child that depends on you and you just got to do what you got to do, right? But like you have also have to st- take a step back and remember that like your body has been through a lot, like, and you, you've got to come in and like treat yourself and help yourself and know that it's not, you know, because you can't do it all. It's because like everyone needs support. So I have a question on that, because how do you create the support when you really don't have it? Because I, I know for myself, when I had my son, it was just me and my then husband. 
I didn't have my mom nearby and friends who had children, they were, you know, in their silos dealing with their own families. So how do you create knowing that you should rest, knowing that you should give yourself a little bit grace, but at in the same breath, it almost feels like it's a luxury because you don't have the support and you have to kind of keep going. Yeah. And I don't want to minimize that at all. It's, it's very, very hard. And it's just, it's a balance, right? Like you, you just have to be able to hold both things. It's like, I am a new mother and I have this child that relies on me and I deserve care and rest, right? Like just, and like, sometimes you might have to give away a little bit, but that's why I, I think it's really important to bring in the plants because when you're in this like heightened, activated response, you don't see a lot of the options in front of you, right? Like it, it's, yeah. it becomes, you become tunnel visioned in and you're just like, everything sucks and everything's loud, you yeah. know? And, it's like, yeah. and you become overstimulated and like having an overstimulated system is not healthy. It's not healthy for you and your body and it's not healthy for this baby as, as well. So mm -hmm. by taking care of yourself, you are taking care of your new child. And so that's why I'm like, even if you don't like physically have the the space, right, or the time to like get enough rest or to do all the things on your list, right, turning to these plants and like seeing this as an item of self-care on your list will change that experience for you. Because mm -hmm. working with, especially in like the new new days, right, the days of like, you know, postpartum, like you have a new baby coming in and taking your ashwagandha every day, taking lemon balm, the, the red raspberry leaf, right? Like going in and like making this tea and having that as like your little ritual pocket of time, just like even if you're holding your child while you're drinking your tea, just like having that as like an intentional grounding moment of like, I'm doing this for myself. I am prioritizing myself and my health and my balance of my nervous system. Like everyone will benefit, including you. Yeah. I think that was perfect. I think that makes total sense because I I think there's such a wave of, you know, like self-care is defined differently by mm -hmm. all of us. We all define self-care differently. But I think just making it tangible to where you could just make this tea and have this moment for yourself to give back, not only to yourself, but to your body, the nutrients and, and supplements that you need is self-care too like you don't need to go to the spa you don't you can do that too I, i'm a big believer in a spa day but you can also do this as well you know give yourself these herbs give yourself also th these foods that will also enable and and add to what you're giving yourself in terms of the plants i think it makes total sense and it's so attainable yeah. that that like that piece right there to me is is, is very very attainable to most of us because you're right i mean there's just so much throughout the day that happens and you're like when do i have a moment when is there a moment mm -hmm. like you have to make the moments right yeah you do you have to say this is my moment now right <laughs> you can't wait for a special moment sometimes yeah, or nor can you ignore yourself too, because I've I've been on that journey for myself of, you know, when I was ignoring my body or ignoring me, 
and what I needed and wanted, there were some holes, there were some deficits and some things that never really developed. But the moment I started giving myself space to reclaim that time and reclaim that level of agency that I needed for myself, so many things started to kind of happen positively in my life. And I was like, oh, so this is that secret. This is what the wise women were telling me some years ago. I was like, give to yourself. When you give to yourself, everything else works itself out. Yeah. And like giving to yourself is not selfish because when you pour into yourself, you're able to pour more out to others. Yes. And, you know, the the irony is that our society like penalizes or punishes us for being selfish. But men, you know, because we're in a patriarchal society, men are allowed to be selfish because that's a part of their dysfunction about masculine energy like you know you're allowed to be selfish you're you're a provider you have you have these archetypes in itself Mm -hmm. that you have to maintain but women are not allowed to be selfish and it's like no the more i give to myself i could like you said the more you give to yourself the more you could be of of value back to not only your household your (laughs) and your children or even just like maybe even to your parents but then also back to your community exactly Well, Tatiana, I have two questions for you before we go. As you have kind of come into like the stage you are within your field and the work that you're doing with plant medicine, what does tomorrow look like for you? Mm, I feel like that's such an interesting question because like, I think that this is such an expanding field. And so many people are getting so excited about connection to the land and working with the plants. And so I think for me, I I think that like, I think that everyone is remembering. I think that everyone is waking up and I think that they're like, we we want to work with the plants and we are disillusioned with Western medicine and doctors, right? Especially for people, I get a lot of clients that come to me with chronic illnesses, right? right? Because like they, like they've exhausted all prior resources. And so what people are doing now, especially those with chronic illnesses are coming in and they're just like, I want to be able to do this myself. I don't want to trust anybody to try to tell me what to do because they just send me to so many different places. Right. And so what I've seen is so many more people just like wanting to learn about the plants that are available in their area and like wanting to go on these foraging walks and wanting to learn how to make plant medicine and all of those things and so I am I am here for all of it and I also teach a respect for the land and like right relationship so I am that's what tomorrow looks like for me I think I think it looks like a new society of a lot of connection to land and inherently connection to each other. And so community care is something that is coming up as like a buzzword a lot more. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it all day, every day. And I think that it is becoming more of just becoming more common, like where people are having like community gardens and working in that way. 
And we don't really get a lot of that news in our in our corporate, you know, media. And so I'm here to tell you all that there are so many people that are excited about this work, that are growing their own food, that are living in areas that are food deserts or more, you know, realistically food apartheid areas that are taking control of their health and their wellness and giving back to their communities. And it is growing every single day. I love that community care. If you haven't trademarked it, please do. What? No, it's not me. It's not mine. It's like a buzzword now. I feel like a lot of people are using it. Really? I love that. Community care is that that I think that is a that's a vibe. <laughs> okay. Where can listeners find more information about you, the classes that you teach, or even just like your online presence? Yeah, so you can find me at ecologistsays.com and also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by the same name, Ecologist Says. Easy enough. Well, Tatiana, do you have any final thoughts? No, just thank you so much for having me. And this has been a very fun conversation. And yeah, I appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please continue to keep the dialogue going about BMCA. Tell a friend, share, like, download. We are now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Audible. Please also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have questions about today's interview, please check out our show notes, all details about the interviewee, and any of the programs or websites that they mentioned will always be there. We hope to hear from you and keep the dialogue going.